The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from the plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at the table? Would he not rather say, prepare something for me to eat, put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I'm finished. Is he grateful to the servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obligated to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. We have just heard one of St. Paul's famous uh, phrases, one of many. Uh, he's writing in a second letter to Timothy, a friend and a disciple who traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. Later, Timothy was ordained a bishop, and he was left in charge of one of the Christian communities that Paul had founded. The famous phrase that comes up in this section of the letter refers to the moment of ordination when Timothy was consecrated to serve the church as a bishop, St. Paul writes these words, Stir into flame the gift of God that you have received through the imposition of my hands. Each part of that sentence, we can find spiritual nourishment. What is the gift of God that Paul is referring to? It is Timothy's vocation to be a priest in Christ's church. When a man is ordained to be a deacon, a priest, or a bishop, his soul is changed forever by God's grace, leaving an indelible mark. It's like the old method of sealing letters with wax. After folding your letter, you poured a glob of warm wax onto the edge of the fold, and then you pressed a seal into the glob of wax, leaving an imprint. This wax imprint both closed the letter and identified you by the seal as the sender. When a man is ordained, God imprints the image of Christ on his soul similar to that, giving him a special responsibility and capacity to act as Christ's servant for the rest of his life serving in the church. Deacons are enabled to preach in Christ's name. Priests can celebrate the sacrifice of the Mass, forgive sins in confession, anoint the sick, all the time acting in the person of Christ through the grace of that ordination. Bishops are enabled to ordain other deacons, priests, and bishops so as to pass on these ministries. As Christians, all of us have received a seal on our souls, a special grace that imprints Christ's image on us and makes us children of God. We receive it first at baptism, and then that seal is strengthened through confirmation 
The grace of ordination is further a specification of that Christian identity in order to equip the ordained minister to serve the church more fully. That seal of ordination, that special grace, is the gift of God that St. Paul is referring to in the second letter to Timothy. But what does Paul mean when he says that Timothy received that grace through the imposition of my hands? That's what happens at the moment of ordination. The bishop prays over the man to be ordained, laying hands on his head. The prayer, the words spoken are the, uh, from the sacrament of ordination are called the form uh, of the sacrament. All sacraments have matter and form. Uh, the matter would be the laying on of hands, a visible sign. St. Paul's mention of this detail, the imposition of hands, tells us two very interesting things. First, it shows us that ordained priesthood traces its origin, its history, right back to the very beginning of the church, when Paul and the other disciples were still alive and working. Some critics of the church don't like to accept or believe this. Usually they're trying to make the church more democratic. They don't want to admit that the church has received this identity, this authority from Christ, because then they would have to obey the church teachings and disciplines. They would prefer rather to change uncomfortable teachings and traditions by popular vote. But the church is not a democracy, it's a family, and every family has a head. For our family, Christ is our head, and we, he knows many things that we don't know, and he has the authority to lead us as a shepherd leads his flock. He has chosen to exercise this authority through ordained ministers who are simply his assistants set aside to serve the other members of the church. St. Paul's mention of the laying on of hands shows that this is, really is the way that Christ organized the church from the very beginning. The second interesting thing about this phrase is that it shows that we have a real physical link to the going back to the time of the apostles, even to St. Peter. There's an unbroken chain of succession of laying on of hands that goes all the way back to Peter. Our bishop received his ordination from the imposition of hands of a bishop who received it from the hands of another bishop and so on and so forth, all the way back to St. Peter. We call this the apostolic succession. Every priest who forgives our sins in confession or feeds us in the Eucharist has been ordained by one of those bishops. And so through him, we are put in contact in a real way with the entire church of all ages. This is an awe-inspiring fact that when we say we are members of the Catholic Church, we are claiming a real, even physical link, the imposition of hands, to every Catholic who has ever lived and to every Catholic who will ever come. And it's not just an interesting idea, it's a reality. Finally, when Paul tells Timothy to stir into flame the gift of his ordination, this is perhaps the most important part of the sentence. Whenever God gives us a gift, he leaves it up to us to make good use of it. This goes for gifts like grace, such as baptism, or the Holy Bible and also natural gifts like music talent or good education, they all need to be stirred into flame or encouraged. All these gifts are like firewood. They have the potential to burn bright 
and to give warmth, but it's our responsibility to tend the fire. So when St. Paul says to Timothy, stir into flame the gift he received, he means Timothy should courageously and energetically strive to put into action the grace he has been given. The same goes for each of us. We too have received God's gift of the Holy Spirit through baptism, the spirit of power and love and self-control as St. Paul describes it. And that spirit dwells in each of our hearts. And just as the flames of a brilliant fire dwell inside the firewood, it's up to us to live according to God's Holy Spirit and to bring out those flames in our daily lives. Not only to call ourselves Christians, but to act like Christians, to be the best that we can be at everything that we do, to care more about our neighbor than ourselves, to think, speak, and act as Christ himself would if he were in our place. If we decide to do that, God's own strength will be released in our lives, as Paul tells Timothy, a supernatural strength fed by Christ himself through Holy Communion and a supernatural strength that will yield, if we, if we allow it, a supernatural joy in our lives. When I think back on my own uh, uh, priestly call, I can say that even as a little child, I always wanted to become a priest. And I think it's fairly common if I go to the school, to first graders, and ask them how many of you want to become a priest, practically half of all the boys will raise their hands. A few of the girls will too, but um, I, it would be a bad sign indeed if one day I went in there and nobody raised their hand. Now the truth is, is that most of them will grow out of it uh, once they start to notice the, that the girls are actually pretty. Um, when I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a, a priest, but for the wrong reasons. I had two older brothers that were allowed to be altar boys, and I was not because I wasn't old enough yet. So I said to myself, I'll become a priest, and then I'll be the boss of them. Um, also, another mistake I made is I thought that priests were magic, that whatever they prayed for, God would give it to them. Like if I wanted a new Mercedes, I could pray and poof, there it would be. Uh, that was also uh, not exactly the case. Um, but as a young kid, I was very enthusiastic about becoming a priest and I would uh, practice saying the words that the priest would say. That my mom would have to shush me, right? Uh, the Lord be with you, the Lord be with you. Uh, lift up your heart, lift up your hearts. Um, I would just practice everything. Um, that went away when I uh, started learning that the girls were actually fairly pretty. And uh, so I, I didn't think about becoming a priest for a long time, but I grew up on army bases where we had military chaplains. Um, these, were, these were hardcore soldiers. Some of them were jumping out of airplanes and, and things. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, chaplains, he had the, you know, the battle dress uniform with the little chaplain uh, insignia on his hat, but uh, uh, strapped to his leg. Instead of having like a bag full of hand grenades, he had a, a, a mass kit strapped to his leg so that when he jumped out of the airplane, uh, it wouldn't get lost. And I thought, how cool is that? And uh, I remember him telling me the story that when they went into Panama, he jumped with the guys into Panama with them and uh, he was sitting on the airplane and there was an empty seat next to him and a young private got out of his seat, unbuckled, and he was shaking and he went and sat next to the chaplain. 
And he says, oh, Father, I'm so glad you're here. I feel a lot safer sitting next to you. And he said, son, you realize I'm the only person on this airplane who doesn't mind if we die or not? Like, I'm ready to go to heaven. And the guy got up and went back to his seat. <laughs> when they actually got to the, uh, the front line, there was some shooting going on. And this chaplain um, walks up, and the men put down their machine guns. And they go, oh, Father, hey, you're here. He says, son, pick up that machine gun. What are you doing? He says, well, if they have the chaplain here, we must be out of danger. He says, no, we're not. So, uh, But anyways... I grew up with these military chaplains and I always thought that it would be cool. I was a, a military chaplain myself for a very short time. When I came to Phoenix, I was asked uh, to leave that behind because the need for priests was so great in our diocese. And one of the things that always called me back to the priesthood was the fact that at mass, the priests would pray for increase in vocations. And he would say how desperate the, the need for priests is. And if you haven't noticed, a lot of the priests are getting pretty old or retiring or dying off, and we need young men to consider stirring into flame that vocation that God may be calling them. Uh, God is not going to force that, that vocation, the vacation, that vocation on you, um, but he will call you to it gently. And as I've answered that, that call to become a priest, I have found myself becoming increasingly happy. So I'm very happy as a priest, if you ever wanted uh, to know. Uh, shortly after I was ordained, a lot of the scandals and things like that came to be. And I remember hearing something very encouraging from our bishop, Bishop Olmsted. He said, it is, a, it is a privilege to serve the church as priests, not when it's easy, but in these difficult times. And I think it has gotten more and more difficult. But the beautiful thing is here in our diocese, we have seen increase in numbers of men uh, coming forward to become priests, such to the point that we've opened for the first time a small seminary uh, at St. Gregory Parish. We converted a uh, convent, it's no longer in use, to a seminary. For one year, the young men will go there as a shallow entry point they take some classes that will transfer and, and help them along the way. Uh, but it's, a, it's an entry point where they're close to family, they're close to their home parish uh, as they are being called to the priesthood. If any one of you is interested in the priesthood, I encourage you to discern that not on your couch eating potato chips, but rather to go to the seminary where the proper discernment takes place. Being surrounded by other men, uh, it's like, red-hot coals that can help stir into flame uh, that call, and uh, people that are, are, are set aside by the church for the purpose of forming a person into the priesthood. When I went to the seminary, I'd probably say that half, if not more than half, of the guys that actually go to seminary stay. You know, for me it was five years. Uh, for some it's nine years, depending if they have undergraduate degree. So. Uh, uh, some of them would leave after one year, two, three years, all the way up to the time of ordination. But every one of them that I ever met has always said that going to the seminary was one of the best things they ever did, even if they don't become a priest. So I w it would make me a better father, a better uh, man because of it. And so I want to encourage you to think about uh, priesthood. Um, if you see somebody that you think would make a good priest, it's always a good idea to plant the seed in their mind if they haven't already thought about it. Uh, when I was in high school, an uh, old lady turned around 
in the church and said, my young man, you have a beautiful voice. Have you ever thought of being a priest? And I said, what, because I can sing? That's crazy. But it put the thought back into my mind. And so I would give, leave the last thing with you is that don't just say to everybody, hey, you ever thought of being a priest? Hey, how about you, you thought about being a priest? Or hey, you thought about becoming a nun? Um, notice something, a virtue in them. And uh, you know, tell them their virtue or, or the good thing that you see in them and why that would help them to be a good priest. For example, you might say to an altar server, I notice that when you serve mass, you're very reverent. It's beautiful to see your reverence. Have you ever thought of becoming a priest? Or I noticed uh, that you um, are very prayerful. Uh, that would be a beautiful thing to, have you ever thought of becoming a priest? So find a, the virtue, something beautiful about them, and then lead that into it. Don't just blindly say, hey, what about you? Uh, uh, and then I, I, uh, I think that we all have the responsibility of stirring into flame. Uh, the spirit that each of us has through our baptism also being sealed by God. Amen.